Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are 1 Corinthians 15 through 16. Rabbit trails. First order of business is a note. Are you reading in multiple translations? If not, I highly recommend it. Translator bias is subtle but effective, and word choice can make a huge difference. I do believe these translators were well-intentioned in almost all cases, but the duty of due diligence remains on us. Therefore, if you're only reading one translation, you're reading that through one translator's bias or their ideas of what was supposed to be conveyed by a certain passage. When we read multiple translations, these differences, especially in key verses, tend to jump out at us. I would try to choose a second translation that is pretty different from the one you normally read. The ones I read are ESV, CJB, Aramaic English New Testament, which is no longer available, the Scriptures, and the Restoration Study Bible by YRM Ministries, which is a King James with added Greek and Hebrew concordances. Note that each of these has a different translator bias. However, I believe that they are each seeking to honor the Father and the original intent of His Word with their translation. Again, the duty of due diligence is on us. See Acts 17, 11. Note that each of these has a different translator bias. However, I believe that they are each seeking to honor the Father and the original intent of His Word with their translation. Again, the duty of due diligence is on us. See Acts 17, 11. Diving on in, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4, has Paul reiterating twice that the Messiah's life, ministry, and sacrifice was directly in line with what was spoken of him in the Scriptures. This is further validating the authority of the Scriptures and reinforcing the fact that Messiah was always planned all along, and he did not cancel out anything which the Father instated. See Matthew five seventeen. Remember when we talked about the big sects of Jews at this point and that the ongoing dispute among the Pharisees and Sadducees of these is that the Pharisees believed in resurrection of the dead and the Sadducees did not? Recall that Paul is a Pharisee, and we can tell from the start of 1 Corinthians fifteen twelve that this is not only a mixed congregation, being that there are Gentiles in it, but there is also a mixture of Jewish sects as well. It looks like some of them are Sadducees. Now, here's a sentence that made me stop and linger over it a bit. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 reads, If in Messiah we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We see reference to one of Yahweh's biblical feasts or appointed times, first fruits, in 1 Corinthians 15, 23. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Now, Messiah very likely rose on first fruits. Once the first fruits offering was accepted, the remainder of the harvest was then acceptable before Yahweh. See Leviticus 23, 9-14. So, of course, the parallel is, through Messiah, we are made acceptable to Yahweh. Note that we have seen Paul keeping the feast and even referencing them as a means of a teaching tool with the new believers in Messiah. 
When the Father declared His feast in Leviticus, He said they were to be observed forever, throughout our generations. Messiah kept them, and now we see Paul keeping them. At some point, we have to consider that the source of all wisdom knew what forever meant when He said it. The cool thing is that Yahweh set these up as teaching tools to know our past and our future as a people. The feasts foretell of Messiah, and as I've mentioned before, the spring feasts have been fulfilled, but the fall feasts are yet to be fulfilled. If we keep these feasts according to the instructions of Yahweh, we will have a better understanding of what is to come. I recommend Leviticus 23. And here's also a link to a book that continues to be a great help to me. I have a link in the post here. It is pricey, but it's the size of an old telephone book. And I can honestly say that the Father used the introduction alone to change the course of my life. 1 Corinthians 15, 51-52 reads, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. Now, this mystery is another reference to a biblical feast, the Feast of Trumpets. This is a fall feast and teaches us about Messiah's return. This feast occurs in the fall, of course, but the date you celebrate it depends on which Hebrew calendar you use. I could spend at least a day explaining the different calendars, but the one we use can be found just by doing an internet search for a Feast of Trumpets and the year. The Feast of Trumpets is a lot of fun for us. We usually gather together with lots of other believers in our area who keep the feast, and everyone brings a shofar. It's an evening of rejoicing and celebrating as we look forward to His return. When we keep these feasts, we will learn so much more about our Father and how He is using our Messiah. The fulfilled feasts, which still have so much to teach us, are Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Shavuot. The feasts yet to be fulfilled are Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Sukkot. I know this may sound confusing if this information is new to you. The intent of the Father was for people to grow up keeping these feasts throughout their generations so that it would be as ingrained in us as our man-made holiday traditions are. That's not to say it's ever, ever too late to begin to keep them. In fact, we will see later on in Paul's writings that he too has to encourage new believers when they're trying to keep the feast and others outside of the faith are making that difficult for them. I think 1 Corinthians 15 verses 27 through 28 should be read very carefully. Yahweh is the head of all things. Now, Paul may seem as if he is usurping Messiah here, But this is biblical, and a careful reading may help to remove a lens and see Yahweh's word more clearly as we begin the Bible again. 1 Corinthians 15.34 felt deeply personal to me. I think of how many decades I sat in church allowing myself to be fed milk and having no idea I was not maturing beyond that because I didn't open the book or dedicate myself to the study of it. I was satisfied with milk. I'm so grateful that the Father rose up within me a hunger that only He could satisfy firsthand. I'm so glad to be feasting with you here. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 35 through 41 was just beautiful, and the illustration really resonated with me and helped me to grasp the ways of the Father so much better. Now, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 has an erroneous translation in my Bible, and likely in yours as well. 
The Greek words translated as first day of the week are mia sabaton. To their credit, the King James translators did italicize day to show that this word did not appear in the original text being translated from, despite going forward with a mistranslation. But mia sabaton means one Sabbath. Now, I've explained this before, but a refresher never hurts. So here we go. First, let's look at 1 Corinthians 16.2 in a listing of several translations. I have a link here for you to do that on Bible Hub. Note how many say first day of the week and how many variances there are. How do we know what is right? Well, if you look up at the top of that screen and click Greek, you will see the following link. Now, click Mia, which is Strong's Greek, number 1520 for the reference. And here's a link for that. And we see that Mia means one, not first. Go back to the Greek and you'll see that it says in English, of the week under Sabbath 2. But if we click on Sabbath 2, we will see the following. There, we see that it means Sabbath. One of the Sabbaths. Also, if you're on this link and you're on a desktop, look on the right-hand side of the screen at all the other places in the Gospels this word is used, and you'll see that some verses have it translated correctly and some do not. This takes place a few times in Paul's writing, so let's just look at one more piece of evidence. While the words are somewhat different in their spelling, they correspond to the same number in Strong's Greek Concordance and are used in a way that have the same meaning. The verse we'll check out is Acts 20, verse 7, which in the ESV reads, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Let's dig deeper. You can check out the translations at this link. And then below, you can see the Greek manuscript. Now click the word sabaton in Greek to get this. Go back and click on Mia to see below. And you will see that ton means of the, one of the Sabbaths. But the English translations put it as first day of the week. However, in Greek, Mia means one and protos means first. So Mia ton sabaton is a Greek phrase that does not even contain the word day. Mia ton sabaton, one of the Sabbaths. Mia sabaton, one Sabbath. Crazy, isn't it? It's almost as if the translators intentionally altered something to support their doctrine. Speaking of Sabbath, I've received a lot of questions lately about just how to go about keeping it holy and set apart. By the point, this point in our reading, I always find that many people have already begun keeping Sabbath, but have a wholehearted desire and concern to, quote, do it right. First of all, I want to assure you that he's the source of right, so don't fret if Sabbath looks different at your house than it does at mine. Secondly, I've written an article for those who are seeking more information on how to keep the Sabbath, and you can click here to read it if you would like. Now, You need to know that this article was not written to convince or convict anyone that they should keep Sabbath. It is for those who have already found that conviction and are looking for a little direction as to what to do next. That's all for the Christy Thought Train today, folks. Please gather all your belongings and make sure the train comes to a full and complete stop before exiting the vehicle to the conductor's right. And with that, we have completed another book, Rock Hazak. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.